welcome to the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast with co-founders and hosts, Tracy Callahan and Deborah Doak. Each week, we tackle another tough topic to help professional divorce coaches maximize client impact and cultivate thriving practices. We also want to spread the word about the expertise and value that certified divorce coaches bring to the table. At DCA, we are committed to ongoing learning and we value generosity among divorce coaching professionals. We believe that when one succeeds, we all succeed. Welcome to Divorce Coaches Academy. I am Tracy and I am here with Deborah. Hello. Hi, Deborah. Hi. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Because last night we had a great discussion of the TED Talk How to Avoid Catching Prickly Emotions from Other People. It was a TED Talk. Yeah. So good. So the speaker, Sport and performance consultant Jessica Garza calls this the jumping Choya effect, right? And and I was like, because I'm not, I don't live in the desert. I had no idea what the hell this was, right? The chain fruit Choya, also known as the jumping Choya, has a habit of jumping from a parent plant or the ground onto the skin or clothing of someone passing by. It's- Fascinating. 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 And when this happens, ouch, it friggin' hurts, right? And usually our first reaction is, how do I get this dang thing off me? Yes. Yes. So the cactus spines don't actually jump, but they do detach easily from the main plant uh, and hook tenaciously, sometimes painfully into people who get too close. And in fact, when we originally posted this, uh, a fellow uh, colleague and divorce coach, Susan Kiernan, had reached out to me and said, oh, my God, this has actually happened to me. So it does happen, right? It does. The barbed spines grip so tightly that a segment of the cactus often breaks off with them, leaving the victim with a prickly problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the same thing can happen. When we get too close to people having big emotions, when a spouse or co-parent is angry, hostile, or negative, we can get hurt if we catch those feelings from them. And today we're going to give you and your clients some information and tools to avoid this jumping Choya effect or what we call emotional contagion. Emotional contagion. Right. So, I, you know, I think we all know what it means to be contagious. After all, we all just lived through a global pandemic. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's in the past, sort of. <laughs> for, for two years or more, we all lived with this heightened um, awareness of what we needed to do to avoid uh, spreading or catching the COVID-19 virus. It's all we heard about. Wash your hands, wear a mask, don't stand too close, stay home if you're sick, and so on, right? That's all we heard. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, people were pretty careful and considerate. But I know some folks that didn't care if they infected others. Mm -hmm. Eh, eh. So they were positive for COVID. They went to the grocery store without a mask anyway. Or their friends asked everyone to test before they attended a large wedding or a gathering. But they didn't. 
or yeah. they didn't feel well, but they went to work or out to dinner with the gang anyway. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I heard story after story of whole groups of people getting really sick because one person didn't want to be concerned about the effect they might have on others. Hmm. And that's what it's like when we deal with an emotionally contagious person. They do not have a care in the world about how their behavior, words, or feelings could infect you. So it's up to you to protect yourself if you don't want to catch their emotional virus. Yes. Right? And what do I like to call this? I like to call this wrapping ourselves in bubble wrap. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the information, tools, and strategies you and your clients can use to put on kind of like an emotional armor to protect yourself from emotional, emotional contagion. I love saying that. I do too, right? Because it's such a great uh, phrase to sort of sum up what it is. It is emotional contagion. It is. So to get ready to protect ourselves, we need to understand how emotional contagion happens in real life. In her TED Talk, Garza says it's important to recognize what emotions are and talks about two popular theories about where emotions come from, right? And this is stuff you should be familiar with. The first theory is called cognitive appraisal, which basically says that the experience of an emotion is actually you evaluating if your current situation aligns with your goals and expectations, right? Why are you feeling angry when your co-parent won't agree to switch weekends with you? Well, perhaps it's because you expect that you will receive the same flexibility uh, and consideration that you have given them. Or you have a goal of co-parenting cooperatively and you've envisioned what you believe that looks like. When they tell you no, that answer doesn't align with your expectation or your definition of cooperation. And guess what? That leads to our clients feeling angry and resentful. Yep. Right? Or you expected that your spouse would be willing to agree to keep their name on the mortgage so you and the kids could stay in the marital home. When they don't say yes to your proposal and your expectations aren't meant, you are frustrated and disappointed because you can't qualify for financing right now. You feel like they're preventing you from reaching your goal of staying in the home and providing stability for your children. Duh. Right? Right. So this is a great opportunity to work through the A, B, C, D, E exercise with a client to help them get insight onto how that, that activating event, that no, bumped up against their beliefs, expectations, and created a consequence, feelings. That's the A, B, C. Then you can move forward to dispute their beliefs, the D, and explore options for moving forward, the E. The E, right? But we've got to understand what happened when I heard that no that brought up the feeling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So cognitive appraisal. The other theory is called physiological perception, which is all about the emotions we kind of subconsciously assign to the physical changes in our body. 
So public speaking is a great way to understand this one. So mm-hmm. she talks about this in the TED Talk. And she said that usually right, right before she speaks, she kind of gets those butterflies in her stomach. Mm-hmm. Familiar. Familiar, <laughs> right? And she goes on to explain that like, if she had that same physical feeling last time she spoke in public, she thinks back, and the speech went well, she might interpret that situation or maybe that sensation, those butterflies, as the emotion of excitement. Butterflies mean excitement if she remembers the speech went well. But what if she bombed her last speech? Now what she says is she might interpret that butterfly feeling as nervousness or fear. So basically, we overlay our physiological perception from our past experiences onto our current situation. Yeah. In the context of a divorce, this might refer to the physical responses or manifestations of stress and emotional turmoil, 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 (laughs) goodness gracious, I I don't have coffee, I promise. Um, The physical sensations of stress or turmoil that maybe someone experienced in their marriage, and that's now being continued and even perhaps escalated during the divorce process. Yeah. Now, these physical responses are often involuntary, and they can significantly affect somebody's well-being, as well as their ability to make good decisions, negotiate effectively, and even communicate their needs clearly. Yeah. So let's say a client felt unsafe or underpowered in their marriage. They may have experienced a whole host of things, insomnia, anxiety, headaches, GI issues, you know, throughout the marriage. So when they experience these same physical symptoms during divorce, they may interpret them to mean they are being threatened. And what do we know about people who feel threatened? Mm. Can lead to more prolonged, contentious, and unsatisfactory divorce process. But because the part of the brain that processes this emotion and memory, and that's called the limbic system, it's really considered to be an open loop system. So it can be influenced by external factors. It's open, open to receiving input. Mm -hmm. And that includes the emotions of others. That's why it's so easy to get caught up in other people's prickly feelings. Yes. Yes. Right? Because we're not just basing it on our own input. It's an open loop system available to receive input from other sources. Like, other prickly people's stuff. Yeah. To be attached, to be bombed for some people, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, well, we can't talk about being influenced by others without talking about mirror neurons, right? Mirror neurons facilitate our learning by enabling us to imitate and understand the actions and behaviors of others we observe. We see children do this, right? When we watch others engaged in a task, areas of our brain are stimulated as though the task is being performed by us. For example, when we watch someone climb stairs, the motor neurons that correspond to those movements are activated without us taking a single step. When we observe another individual performing an action without even having to speak, our mirror neurons can put us in the same situation, simulating the action mentally as if it were happening to us. 
Super cool, right? Super this cool. This type of nerve cell even enable us to understand the intentions with which an action is carried out. Mirror neurons can even be activated by the sound associated with an action. For example, when they hear paper being torn, they mentally emulate that action, even if we do not actually see it being taken place. Yeah. So this existence of mirror neurons is essential because of the role they play in learning by imitation and observation, but also because they participate in language acquisition and are essential essential in the development of empathy and social behavior. They allow us to understand the actions of other people and their emotions. So it seems when it comes to mirror neurons, we have the ability to both receive, right? Take on what that other person is sending out or transmit, work to get the other person to mirror what we are sending. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, that reminds me of one of my favorite metaphors, things we, and we talk about this in our courses quite a bit, and that's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. uses this metaphor of a thermometer and a thermostat in his infamous letter from Birmingham jail that he wrote in April, 1963. This is like wisdom from the old days, but I still love it. and. One meaning I draw from the metaphor he uses is that we can choose to reflect the temperature in the room, right? Like a thermometer Mm -hmm. does. We can respond to hot with hot, cold with cold, anger with anger, incivility with incivility. That's what a thermometer does. It reads the temperature. Yep. Okay. And then we would respond in kind. Or... We can regulate the temperature like a thermostat by choosing to show up as a comfortable, consistent 72 degrees in a civil, respectful manner. Ah, I love it. I know. (laughs) Right. So, all right. So we understand more now about how we catch prickly emotions from other people, where those feelings come from. But what's most helpful if they do get under our skin? And so we're going to talk about emotional management because that is job one. Yes. Emotional management or emotional regulation strategies offer us and our clients that pause or space to become aware of what we're feeling and make intentional decisions that move us toward rather than away from our desired outcome. Yeah. I'm going to highlight again that wonderful word, intentional intentional, not an automatic reaction, an intentional response. This is what we're looking for here. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, I I don't know if you all know, if you do get a cactus spine stuck in you, or you have a bee sting or something, the way you treat that can make it better or make it worse. So that's what we're looking at here. So I know you're all familiar with the standard coaching tool of reframe. This is what psychologists might call cognitive reappraisal. So we talked about how cognitive appraisal can actually generate those feelings or emotions. Mm. The emotional regulation strategy that goes along with that is cognitive reappraisal. And this is the D or dispute in the ABCDE, ABCDE exercise, where we're going to examine and reevaluate that belief, thought, expectation, or goal. 
So let's say the A, the activating event is my spouse rejected my parenting plan time sharing proposal and they want equal time. Oh, Mm. event for sure. For sure. Right. (laughs) The B, my belief. And I've never heard this before. They only want more time so they can pay less child support. They don't care about the kids at all. Mm. That's the belief. So then C, what's the consequence of that? Well, of course, that's going to make me angry. I'm going to have all kinds of uh, emotions come up because I heard the no. I have a belief about that person's motivation. I'm jumping on the assumption iceberg. So let's come to the D. How do we dispute or challenge those beliefs? We explore, are there other possibilities that exist for why your spouse might be asking for more parenting time? Mm-hmm. What's leading you to believe they want to play, pay less child support? Is this a fact or a feeling, right? We're going to really dispute or challenge that belief and get at where it comes from. And are there other possibilities, right? Yeah. So cognitive reappraisal is essentially reality testing the source of those beliefs or expectations and then making adjustments or at least opening the mind to other possibilities, making adjustments as necessary. Yeah. Expanding perspective and mindset. Yeah. Right. I love, I love the ABCDE exercise. Coaches, I hope you are actively engaging in using this tool and supporting clients and working in reframe because a reframe or a cognitive reappraisal is hard. It's challenging. It takes Mm. some Okay. So another effective strategy is working to accept the prickly situation for what it is. But uh, I don't like it. They said no, Tracy. Damn it. Not, why do I have to do this? Right. It's not what I want. Right. But acceptance doesn't mean that you're okay with what happened or that you even wanted to continue. It simply means that you're able to stay objectively grounded in reality rather than continue to struggle against what you wish was happening. It's accepting a moment for what it is instead of trying to make it what we want it to be. Mm. Mm. Acceptance allows us to see clearly where those prickly spines are and decide if they're worth attaching to. Right. So Garza uses a three-step framework with her clients to help them move toward acceptance. Okay. So what? Now what? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. kind of stop, drop, roll. I love this. Okay. Yeah. So what? Now what? Okay. Okay. Right. Take a pause. Take a breath. Notice what's happening. So what? Okay. It happened. I have tools and strategies. I can handle it. Now what? Now what? How do I choose to respond or move forward? The challenge is to create distance between the event, what happened, and your emotions, how you're feeling about it, so that you can make an informed, intentional decision about your next move. Right. It happened. I don't like it, but I do have choice. Choice. Because our clients have the power over themselves. 
Exactly. Right. So it happened. I don't like it. I do have choice. Okay. okay. So what? So what? Now what? <laughs> I love it. It's probably my favorite thing I took away from that. Mm-hmm. I took away from that TED Talk for sure. Yeah. And finally, you know, boundaries are going to be part of a really important part of any uh, bubble wrap toolkit. And so um, go back and listen to last week's episode on setting effective boundaries with a narcissist or high conflict person. We gave you some insight on what a true boundary is and tips for deciding where and how to set one. So if you listen to that, you'll recall that boundaries are not an ask. They are an action. So once you've done some reframing and accepted the situation for what it is, it's time to decide what actions you want to take. That's the now what, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what coaching is, uh, is action oriented. Yep. Does action. this, what do I want to do? What choices are available to me? What do I want to do? That's going to move me forward toward my goal. Yeah. Right. So go back and take a listen to that. We didn't want to repeat ourselves, but certainly that's a really important part of the armor that's required to protect us from prickly people. Um, yeah. So here's the staying safe out there from jumping <laughs> choyas. Right? No, I stay away from that damn choya. <laughs> yeah. Because we are, whether it's in divorce or at work or with family, we are bound to run into prickly people who are going to try to get their spines into you. But you can protect yourself if you're prepared with some of the things we talked about today. I just want to mention, if you're listening, because we know we have some folks that are listening that are not divorce coaches, but in fact, are people going through their own divorce experience. And if you think the personal support of a divorce coach could help you navigate what you're going through with divorce and co-parenting, please check the Find a Divorce Coach tab at divorcecoachesacademy.com. You'll find there a listing of DCA-trained coaches who are committed to helping you make the decisions for yourself that are best your decisions for your life and your divorce. Most DCA coaches work virtually and offer complimentary consult calls. So reach out to one. See if you can find somebody to help you avoid emotional contagion. (laughs) Right? So as always, thanks for being here. And please join us next week for another brief but impactful conversation to lessen the financial and emotional impact of divorce on families. Thanks for joining us for the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. It helps other divorce professionals find us and add to the conversation. And don't forget to follow us on social media to be the first to know when we add new classes and events. We'll be back next week with another topic to help you maximize client impact, create a thriving business, and promote the value of professional divorce coaching.